Hey everybody, this is Rob, and welcome back to the House of X Book Club. Uh, this is episode 13, and today we're going to be covering X-Men number 23 and Avengers number 13. We've got everybody with us. Uh, let's go ahead and say hey. Hey there, Drew. Heidi ho neighbor. And we've got Shane. Hello, children. And Raj. Good evening. Wow. And Rowan, of course. Hi. Hello. Um, is, I, is that what the eyebrows are for, Roger? You want to get ready for Halloween for Dracula? So I was commenting I that to... you had um, Professor X eyebrows when you came on the meeting. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I I have such crazy ass eyebrows. I can be a Vulcan. I can be Professor I X. <laughs> you. Look at that. I told you. Oh, my God. Check it um, out, dude. So if we were if we were visual... I think you would have a whole new fan base, Raj. Probably. <laughs> you would have to be fielding fan letters left and right. Because that I is, know. that that look right there, check him out. Holy Those God. are enviable, yeah. Fan I'm, letters or love letters? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Both. They're, they're the same thing. <laughs> to know me is to love me. Yeah, people would be sending you their Romulan panties in the mail. Um, <laughs> 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 oh yeah so <laughs> um on that any, note yeah at any rate comic books right magnetism <laughs> um <laughs> magnetism uh, so uh real quick before we get into the books um how are you guys feeling about what we're reading right now it is a roller coaster of emotion <laughs> There's a there is a lot of ups and downs in in these books currently, mm. but overall I think it's getting better. Yeah, I do yeah, too. Yeah. I do too. If I'm if if I'm feeling salty, boy, my notes <laughs> definitely reflect the saltiness. Yeah, I think I've realized <laughs> that too. Well, this stretch that we're reading, like I have read articles, I I read this book, a few books, but everybody talks about this stretch of, of x-men for being like oh you can pretty much not read it which kind of <laughs> makes me shake my head i mean this is roy thomas's stretch right and he's known as one of the best marvel writers but i think the last guy i, I read an article by he was saying stop reading right after the sentinel story and then go up to issue number 94 <laughs> you know don't read anything in between it's not worth it I don't know. My favorite issue out of any we've we've read so far has come from this this batch that we've done. Nice. Which we'll, we'll get to next yeah, episode. Cool. But yeah, it's, I think that the Roy Thomas books are better than the Stanley books. I'm just mm -hmm. gonna say it. Oh yeah, I I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like there are a couple of times where I'm like, well, this is just a, a rinse and repeat from multiple other issues. Mm -hmm. And so far as like the X Men fall down a hole. And then they get split up and get beat up, but then they come together as a team and, and kick some ass. Yeah. There is a little bit of costume villain of the week type of feeling yep. to, to them. Um, I do think that they're narratively telling the story better and the art and the panels are more cohesive and on that kind of stuff is coming together better. Um, and that's kind of, maybe that's one reason why they're, we're, it's, it's a couple of these are more enjoyable than some of the previous ones that we've read. Yeah, we're we're also uh, getting 
larger story arcs. It's not just one yeah, issue. Yeah, that's true. It's two or three issues at a time. So, well, well anyway. I think the I think the important thing to remember is that you know we're building on we're building a, a world we're building you know we're universe building for for lack of a better term and yeah. stan stan obviously did not plan out much of it ahead of time so he there was a lot of bumps and bruises along the way and at the same time uh you know we're starting to build on that you can see that you know the characters are developing their powers a little better the teamwork is getting better things like that so there is all of dynamic. that yes yeah get some inter interpersonal conflict amongst yeah. the x-men now which is yeah. kind of good to see yeah, i do yeah. feel like well, that you can definitely see that like stan lee still has is constantly exerting editorial control over these books he will until so, like, the 90s reading along <laughs> Yeah, you're reading along, and it's like this is really great, Roy. But what if they said something really fucking stupid in this panel? Right here? <laughs> <laughs> um, on that, Rob. On that note, for my own personal knowledge, when did he get out of editing and become the publisher? When did okay. Roy Thomas become the editor in chief? You know, uh, yesterday I knew the answer to that because I listened to a, a long interview on with Roy Thomas. Um, but I can't tell you it's, I want to say that that was probably in, uh, on the book that we listened to recently. I think they talked about how it was like probably around 80 or, you okay. know, around that area. Um, and Stan Lee, of course, stuck around, you know, he tried to quit Marvel for years, starting in the, starting in the sixties. And, and and just stuck with it on some level or another um in fact at times it seemed like he had been pushed out a little bit and they realized crap we can't push him too far because he's kind of made this whole company his like you know yeah nope i want to be... take off and go publish stripperella yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> well you know yeah, and he did he did do stuff like that i mean he worked for dc for a little while do you remember he did the those were so good yes Stan what, Lee. The, the, are you talking about the ones the Stan Lee presents? The, yeah. Like yeah. Stan Lee's Superman, Stan mm -hmm. Lee's Batman. Yeah. That Green Lantern was some awesome shit. That was really good stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, talking about X-Men 23. I'm with you, Drew. Some of my favorites are in this batch as well. I mean, I really, really liked the Sentinel story. But I like these little oddballs, too. And I like, I like the villain of the week you know some of these guys nobody nobody remembers reading any of these guys but we'll get into that so x-men hey, 23 hey nobody remembers me. the porcupine hey, hold on a second what? you know this is the eel here you know and i was i was listening last time and you guys were talking a lot of shit uh -huh. um and i just want to say that i don't think it's very fair you're talking all that shit about the eel the eel's a badass you know oh. and how <laughs> How, sure, how sure. can you say I'm not? How can how can you say that I'm not tough? I mean, I convinced the Serpent Society to let me join. I'm not even a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'll get. I'll give you that. But <laughs> let's not forget the Serpent Society. I mean, come on, they're they're certainly not top grade villains. <laughs> well, I mean that's fair, but you know. It's it's hard to find a lot of people with a like a snake theme, you know. You do have to stretch a little bit. So, but. all right, 
All right. Well, go ahead and slide on out of here. We're going to talk about some X-Men. All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, let me know if you need someone else to sit in on the panel here. I, 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 I really need a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get you there. Certainly. Thanks, Mr. Eel. <laughs> so trust that uh, guy. He's a little bit slippery. He's slippery. Yeah. He, he's a I little think bit he, something. He he left a wet trail in the hallway. Um uh so <laughs> good thing he's not called the snail. Yeah. So <laughs> X-Men 23, it was released June 2nd, 1966. The cover date was August 1966. Of course, writing Roy Thomas. Art from Werner Roth, Dick Ayers did the inking, lettering Artie Simic, and Stan Lee, of course, did the editing. The title of this issue is To Save a City. So we began the issue with the X-Men in chains, of course, if we remember correctly. They got captured, well, partly by the eel and his buddies under the employee of Count Nefaria. Of course, the Count is, is going to blackmail the X-Men into helping him with his current evil plans. First, the giant shield over Washington, D.C. Then he has false images of the X-Men demand $100 million or particles within the shield will eat up all the oxygen, killing everyone in the city. This boosts, of course, anti-mutant hostility, which is, uh, you know, it's a thing now and it's growing. And it pins all of this on the X-Men. So then the real X-Men are forced to go pick up the money for him to do his his uh his run his money run except the b-listers c-listers d-listers i don't know these five villains decide that they're going to grab the money and double cross count nefarious so after fighting unicorn and his cohorts the x-men finally get the money to nefaria but suddenly a strange figure begins demolishing nefarious equipment so that is basically the story uh, of course the x-men come out of this ahead you know they have to win because they're the x-men um i have a question of you guys did you know much about nefaria before going into this nothing mm -hmm. nope. no how about you i Steve? did yeah uh because there in the current books there is the um uh there's a story the new mutants lethal legion where they find out that that Count Nefaria is rebuilding his evil villains team. And mm. so some of the new mutants go to try out. And um, Gabby is one of them, the honey badger. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a couple of the others go along. And it's, and yeah, Nefaria is having a, a mental, a nervous breakdown because he's, he had a dream where he was getting old. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's just one of those, it's just ridiculous. And so he's, yeah. It's but now he's got like Moonstone and like a, a bunch of much better villains than he had in this story. Mm. So, yeah, well, careful. I think that you'll steal around. He might hear you. Um, <laughs> well, so how about and, and how about you, Raj? I've never heard of Nefaria before, to be honest. I don't remember. See, I'm gonna, I mean, if... I'm gonna challenge you on this. So, you guys have had to hurry, at least Shane and Roger. Uh, do you He's remember the, the, the issue? Mafia. The Magia. Well, the Magia, yeah. The the X-Men were fighting um a bunch of like anthropoid anthropomorphic animals, the Animan, I think they were called. No, not the Animan. I forget what they were called now, but they're anthropomorphic animals. This the issue after Giant Size X-Men, it's where Thunderbird dies. I haven't read that in 30 years, man. It's issue 94. <laughs> I think it's even issue 94. At any rate, uh 
the guy that that they were fighting against, they're the villain who was taking control of the missile base and all that was Count Nefaria. Was it okay? And okay. reading that issue made me want to go back and read other Count Nefaria. And so, as a young person, I was always trying to find these issues. Of course, I never, I'd never get my hands on them. So Nefaria has been around, and he's been a thorn in the X Men side for quite a while. I I liked this issue a lot. I actually did too. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I like the I like the fact that it had so much action and stuff going on. What are your thoughts, Rowan? Well, I it sure puts the X Men in a spot, though. You know, I, it just it just seems like would they recover from this? Mm. You know, in in the not just the public eye, but like. With the government, you know? okay. So you're <laughs> so you're talking about them actually uh, being the way they were vilified, and, yeah. yeah. And and I think you you and I were talking about it. You pointed out they actually did take that money. I they, mean, and and then they did take the money, yeah. and it it doesn't matter that they and and they didn't take it because they were forced. Then the in the story, Xavier's like, yeah, go along. Mm-hmm. And he tells them to go along. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if there was a reason for going along. They took the money. <laughs> Did they? And I don't think they ever gave it back either. And they don't well, show in the narrative it was... about them giving it, giving it back. Yeah, or saving it. Or, ah, we're just kidding. We've got it. Well, it was very issue. nebulous how, how that happened. Because right. like, at, they took the money, and then the money kind of just became irrelevant at some point. It was just a plot device. $100 million. Then, at the end of the, at it, it made no sense to me like why, basically their theory was oh we'll we'll go along with this guy and we'll double cross him later, but they never double crossed him realistically, and it's, the money just disappeared and everyone just kind of forgave and forgot. And you can't end. you can't tell you can't tell the authorities well we were going to double cross him and help you out. That's why we broke the law. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I feel like there was probably something that was supposed to be there to explain like how they weren't really doing the bad thing. But as far as I could tell in the story, they were doing the bad thing, <laughs> and so that, that's that, that stuck with me. You kind of feel like uh, it's just a little plot hole. Yeah, the writer felt... the writer forgot to sew up that little bit. Yeah, it it did feel kind of significant to me. There was definitely a, a Deus Ex Machina happening that we didn't get to see. Right, that we didn't see. Yeah. Well, I'm with yeah, Raj. Sure. I liked I liked the action in here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I actually liked how how the plan that the bad guys took down the X Men last issue how it went down. You know, they isolated them. They hit them one at a time. Um, and. I that, see, that, that's what we were talking about earlier, though, too, is that's what happens in every issue. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this the uh, this the early X-Men is all about recycling ideas. I mean, for instance, Nefaria having this plan to take over DC, this is very reminiscent of like the Vanisher. But I do like how these guys are, are working now. They don't work together. They're not a very good team. Huh. Uh, the villains. You That's know. an understatement. <laughs> um, but also, I kind of remember, I don't remember ever reading anything with the unicorn. Uh, I mean, maybe I read a little short, you know, Marvel Comics present story with him in it, or there was like a one shot I kind of seemed to remember with the uh, Soviet super soldiers that had the unicorn in it. 
the unicorn was always a lame concept to me and and he never really did anything in fact if i remember correctly by the end of the 80s or into the 90s he was a, a raving lunatic because he had been beaten so badly and i don't know experimented on and all kinds of crazy stuff so he was shooting radiation out of the helmet he wore i think yeah. that that might have had something to do with it yeah yeah definitely good thing he so, didn't look like the toxic avenger hmm. yes so so reading this early issue with him i thought i thought it was interesting and interesting and of course you know the eel i mean i've seen the eel around too and, and he is exactly what i expected of the eel um but but I liked it. I enjoyed kind of the the plot or the subplot, not really a subplot, but the idea that this is what's happening. This is what the story story's moving. And then you got these bad guys on the side going, hey, let's just keep this money for ourselves. You know, I, I, I kind of felt like it was almost like a guilty pleasure story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's fun because it's so bad. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. No, I hear you. I, that's what I was about to say. I mean, I'm kind of feeling that way about the run so far, but yeah. I just, I, me... I, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, I miss when the um, super villains had the most random shit in their outfits. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and the, uh, like um, the, the example in this one is the porcupine. The porcupine's <laughs> yeah. outfit shoots cement. They called yeah. it liquid cement. Yep. But I was like, well, wait, isn't all cement liquid until it hardens? Yeah. And how does he keep the cement from like hardening in his belt? Does he have like a, a mixer in his penis or something? And he just <laughs> spins it like, <laughs> spins it like this and <laughs> you know if it was and, and that it, man's utility belt we wouldn't question it no <laughs> the bat shark but, repellent is one of the most useful things you could have in a belt <laughs> but like all the all the villains from like this time and even through the 70s like stilt man stilt man had knockout gas capsules on his belt for some yeah. reason it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. dude you can kick people in the groin from 40 feet away <laughs> What do you need <laughs> knockout pellets for? <laughs> uh, in case they get closer and he can't reach their groin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this issue is also one that is setting the stage, you know, like many now, for the whole anti-mutant sentiment. The whole um, mutants are bad. Because this really, like Rowan pointed out, this kind of taints the X-Men. For one, the government's not going to trust them. The public's not going to trust them. Anybody who watches the news is not going to trust them. You know, <laughs> um, and at the same time, we still see like a couple people here or there, whether it's a fireman or a an old lady sitting on her porch, and they're like, "Those X Men are heroes," you know. So there's still some of that. But I like that this is really building on the anti mutant vibe that the books, you know continue even to today mm-hmm. so, pretty cool um let's talk about the mysterious figure at the end of the book destroying nefarious machines and and thwarting his plan uh did you guys see that coming <laughs> well no again so, it's one of those convenient plot devices isn't it yeah yeah well so so in this book, 
there's a bit where Charles Xavier's like, I'm going to go into my astral form. And then he's, he show the astral form running across the screen, the, the, the uh, across the street or the, you know, the page, the panel. And he's like, this is the only way I can feel what it's like to walk again. Um, and then later on, he's, he's wrapped head to toe, like dark man. And, uh, is, is walking, you know, smashing the equipment or tweaking the equipment. It's like, wait, mm -hmm. you're walking. And he's like, oh yeah, I designed this, uh, I designed these, I don't know, like Forrest Gump's magic legs or something. You know, he can, he can actually <laughs> trot along. It's like, what? You've been holding out? I don't know. It was definitely know. odd. And like the whole, like, not only that he could walk, but that he developed like mad ninja skills and could sneak around behind and no one saw him. It's he mind wiped just... everyone who saw him. Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah. 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 There was um, there there seemed to be like a lot of memory loss in this issue in general. Like even Professor X, he was like when he was in his laboratory working on the the magic legs, Lieutenant Dan. Um, he the phone rang and he's like, "Oh, what the fuck was that?" Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah. he just forgets about how. How do you forget about a telephone in the 1960s? Yeah. First of all, and second of all, from that same panel. Like mm -hmm. he says that he turned off his mental brain power. He sealed off his brain so he's not distracted. He's the only telepath. Why does he need to do that? And then how do you forget about a phone? And wouldn't it be helpful to leave your brain open just in case the X-Men try to get back in touch? They can call him. <laughs> <laughs> they got his number. <laughs> he finally he finally comes back to doing it and he opens his mind up and all you hear is like them screaming and dying. <laughs> <laughs> and then too like later on in the issue um when the the x-men break free the villains are like oh my god who's that when they see gene gray and it's like mm. motherfucker you fought her yesterday <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they've been locked in the basement for months yeah, they fought she's, yesterday she's been in your secret sex dungeon for a day yeah. <laughs> with her buddies it's not yeah and not only that but at some point the x-men as a crack commando unit lost a truck <laughs> did anyone else see that they got in a truck and drove to washington and then they get outside of um count nefaria's you know sugar dome sugar glass dome and all of us they're just standing there like okay what do we do now Motherfucker, he told you what to do. What did you do with your truck? <laughs> I, I did not notice that, but you're totally oh, right. That's absolutely right. Well, so here's a question I got to you guys. Do you think Roy Thomas was hoping to have Xavier walk again? You know, I can only like imagine. just make that make that part of his his regular thing. Oh yeah, he can walk now. I think he was just trying to give himself another mutant character to utilize like in the field because so as up to now he just sits in his wheelchair you know miles away quote unquote Men directing the x-men yeah mentally probing people mind wiping yeah. oh sorry mind wiping and probing <laughs> yeah that's what he does the most <laughs> heaven forbid that he speak to them telepathically and you draw him sitting down uh, yeah i think he's going way too far with the whole i need to cover up the fact that that i'm a mutant because 
I mean, he he has no problem mind wiping people at certain times. So why does it matter if people see him in a wheelchair or if people see him walk? Because I'm trying gonna... to remember when that finally caves in on him. It seems to me that maybe is it 92 when he first when he finally comes out and says I'm a mutant. They did wait a long time for that one. Mm. I I feel like they're not handling Xavier's disability very well. I feel like I mean, he was even described. I don't remember which book it was. I I made a note of it. Um, so I think it's a different book that we read how he's described as an invalid. They show him distraught over the fact that he's disabled and not that nobody with a disability ever gets distraught, but it, it's the way it's done, I guess. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the writing kind of suggests that no, they don't know anybody who uses a wheelchair. <laughs> like I said, I don't think Stan Lee has ever talked to people. I, I think it was like issue three or four somewhere early on. There's a panel with him bemoaning the fact that he can't walk. And he's, he's saying something like, Oh, Gene, how I love you. If I only had had the ability to, to walk, maybe you would notice me or some lame ass crap like that. You know, that's, and it's been going on the whole time. Well, I mean, but the other side of that is too, that, you know, but, you know, not being able to walk implies that he's paralyzed, at least from the waist down, which yep. means his peener doesn't work. <laughs> right. That's the implication. And also the fact that and also the, there's not it's not great representation. And, and, and it's not I mean, it's it, it, no. it, it's some good. It's it's good that it's there at all because there hasn't been very much. Right. But they're um, trying. Yeah. But um most people who use wheelchairs can walk a little bit. There's, there's various reasons why people are in wheelchairs yeah. and, 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 but he so, so happens to not be able to walk at all. We had to have this myth that someone in a wheelchair just can't walk at all. But actually most people who use wheelchairs can walk a little bit. Roy Thomas felt very, very limited that he couldn't even, that he couldn't portray Xavier as walking. Well, you know what? He could have, he actually could have. He didn't realize that because he didn't know anybody with a disability. He didn't know anybody, you know, and, you know, and, and part of it was, was the, the, the continuity up to that point. Well, they weren't super attached to their continuity anyway. He could have portrayed Xavier walking a little bit or standing a little bit or using a cane a little bit. He could have done that. He didn't realize he could do that because he didn't have any real experience with disability. And so he got weird and technical and, and, uh, you know, and maybe he, he was hoping that he could, to extricate him from the chair completely well and he's not the only one because right. uh stan was doing it too look at all the different forms of wheelchair and movement that he had he had that's that true, one off-road uh tank <laughs> tread thing that he was exploring the under underground with yeah true yeah. enough that was awesome <laughs> yeah some of them were at least very creative it was pretty boss well, i'm not gonna lie but it was you know so so to kind of wrap up this this segment though i gotta say overall i liked it and yeah okay the representation trust me rowan representation in this comic book is going to get much worse um <laughs> well, i'm sadly. not saying that it totally sucks sadly. i'm just saying that there there's some limitation going yeah. on that's all yeah i think it, i think you're right <laughs> so was was this the first appearance of any of these cornball villains no or they all been used yeah, they had oh, all they're all used... like Spider-Man and Daredevil and stuff. Okay. Uh, Avengers. So the idea was that these were uh, older characters 
that they were kind of whipping together to throw at the x-men you know yeah so well porky porky porcupine helped raise spider woman's son baby that's right baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing i liked about this book which i we haven't seen before um in other books is they used a a big variety of of backgrounds of like scenery like you had them in the 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 dungeon and and count nefarious little headquarters and then you had them rushing to the city and then you had them inside the city and then they took them when they went back outside the city they were like in a forest or something there were there were a lot of different sets that they were playing around with and i think one thing that this book in particular this issue did well was it represented the citizens like the normal base level humans of the universe a lot better than than any other issue like i have a note from page three that i i really liked because it showed how different types and different groups of citizens of dc were reacting to this dome just magically appearing over the city and screwing things up for them yeah Yeah, very true yeah but the other side of that too was like they immediately as soon as the dome was up there everyone was like oh well this thing is gonna do this and it's gonna do that and and i'm like how do you know it's been up for two minutes <laughs> i mean there were like people there were people out on the the road miles away from washington dc and they're like oh look at that impenetrable bubble impenetrable bubble i'm like how did you know that that you that, that you have no idea what's going on up there it's just badly done exposition that's all it is yeah no, it's pretty basic it's basic stuff you know this is comic book logic yeah but it, one of the things that did fascinate me is is how the stigma has carried in that count nefaria here 60 years later is still a fucking dingleberry in the books <laughs> <laughs> well i'm looking forward to reading some of the new stuff uh i i am still trying to catch up so any last thoughts before we move on uh, this one was just really silly um it was it was fun but it was yeah it was like I said, at times I got frustrated with it. I was like, you should know who you're fighting. You fucked him <laughs> less than 24 hours ago. God damn it. Well, if you're going to dude, if you're going to start using logic, let's look at page 15 where Angel swoops down over the over the army guys. And then to like distract them or whatever. I mean, they could have just shot the douchebag and killed them and been <laughs> done with it. It would have been like, OK, we'll try to dodge done. bullets. <laughs> He there's no strategy thanks to his training uh, yeah apparently there's no strategy <laughs> no, there's... there's no tactics there's nothing there's no logic this is why you can't take these things seriously let's just pretend kids uh so moving right along um avengers number 13 now the reason i chose chose avengers number 13 of course was because this is count nefarious first first appearance um and it's a very reminiscent story which you guys are probably rolling your eyes but at any rate uh, <laughs> yes, Avengers 13 I did notice a did notice a little bit of similarity between this one and the one we just talked about just yeah, a little yeah so this was released December 10th 1964 like like what a year and a half uh before the book we just talked about uh, cover date is February 1965. Credits Stanley, Don Heck on pencils, ink is Dick Ayers. Coloring is Stan Goldberg, who, yeah, good old Stan, gets a little bit of credit. Got a credit. That's right. 
lettering for Artie Simic, and of course, editor is Stan the Man Lee. The title is Trapped in the Castle of Nefaria. Now, before, so, hold on, before yeah. you go any further, yeah. the first thing I noticed in this issue was that credits box. Uh-huh. It's the first, it's lower left, it's right there. You can read, I want you to read it. If you're looking at it right now, can you read it out? I'm not. Rather exceptional story by Stan Lee. Somewhat dis- somewhat distinctive art by Don Heck. Fairly <laughs> compelling inking by Dick Ayers. Moderately clear lettering by Artie Simic. Moderately clear. So he Stan is the fantastic writer, and everyone yep. else is like a, <laughs> progressively series. A yeah, lot of the credit boxes are like that, to be yeah. fair. One, right. one said something about dilapidating. Yeah. Dilapidated, yeah. I don't remember which issue it was, but it was somebody's birthday, and and for the five credits or the four credits that w- there were, it was same thing. Like, oh, this this mm-hmm. guy did okay, and this guy did okay. Oh, but it's this guy's birthday, and he's awesome. Yeah. So I think it, it's <laughs> kind of a, a little give and take there, but it, it, I don't know. I enjoy reading the credits every every single issue. Yeah, <laughs> I read them too, but it's more out of. Uh curiosity as to who's going to get dissed the worst <laughs> well let's not forget who's actually writing these credits yeah, exactly okay. yeah so, in this story count nefaria invites the avengers and remember this is count nefaria's first appearance so we don't know that he's a a big dick that hires sub subpar supervillains to do his dirty work uh or tricks subpar superheroes to do his dirty work count nefaria invites the avengers to his newly relocated castle for a charity benefit actually it's a trap i mean i don't need to tell you that nefaria catches them <laughs> yeah <laughs> he catches them in his get this a time transcender beam i don't know exactly what that means but it sounds cool and he creates realistic holograms of the avengers to go to the pentagon and demand that the government be handed over to them or it means war with the avengers Boy, that is so similar to give me a hundred million dollars or the X-Men are going to tear your shit up. Um, this, of course, wrecks the good name of the Avengers. Uh, Rowan, they <laughs> would probably not survive this. This would. Well, yeah, it would certainly sully them significantly. It wouldn't they wouldn't uh, actually be charged with anything like the X-Men would. Yeah, because they didn't steal a hundred million dollars. They didn't. And lose a truck. But they'd know. be on a list forever. They'd be on yeah. a list forever. I think no this is a, be on the watch list. This is a, a a good example of First Amendment rights. They just go in and say stuff and walk away. They have yeah. that right. <laughs> That's true. They did. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, but Drew. you do have some limits when it comes to like making threats and stuff like that. So yeah, you're not a lawyer, are you, Drew? Not yet. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. So. <laughs> So this also goes to to press, like it gets in the papers and it's all over the place. It's on the news. People are selling news. Extra, extra. Avengers declare war on the United States. It gets crazy. Um, Wanted dead or alive posters. Oh yeah, shoot on sight. I mean, yeah. any Joe can can grab his gun and re, you know aim out the window and shoot, you know, Captain America if he wanted to. So Nefaria turns off his holograms and he releases the actual Avengers who have no idea what's happened because this time transcender beam, they go into the castle, they're hanging out. They're like, yeah, nice room. He said, we can freshen up or relax before we do our thing. 
And then the lights come on and basically puts them in a stasis of sorts. And he could leave them there, you know, for a month. And then when he turns off those lights and they wake up, they don't realize any time has passed. And that's how this is working. So he frees them and they don't know anything has gone on. They're just like, cool, this is great. Uh, they, they have no idea what's happened. Fortunately, the teen brigade led by Rick Jones, they also go along, but they're made to wait out in the lobby or some shit. So they don't get hit by a transducer beam. And they're like, come on, it's like 10 o'clock cap. We got to go. We got school tomorrow. Where, why, what's taking the Avengers so long? They start to get a little antsy and go snooping around. Of course, they get captured because you don't go snooping around Count Nefaria's castle. Uh, and the Avengers, at some point, actually what happens is I think Cap, when he comes out, gets suspicious because to him it's just been seconds later and the teen brigade should be waiting like he told him to you know and then the fairy is like oh no they got tired of waiting and went home but he's like wait a minute what he actually says is uh, it's not like rick to disobey an order or the teen brigade to disobey an order like captain america gave you an order you're going to follow it so he expects them to be there and he knows that that makes things a little little shady so he starts to go snooping around of course, then the army attacked, so the Avengers have to fight the army because, of course, they declared war on the United States. Uh, the teens, teen brigade gets freed. The Avengers finally get the truth out of Nefaria, putting an end to the whole fiasco. At the end, an Avenger is hit by a stray bullet and drops laying limply at the end. I know, I know. It, I love this issue i like when my superheroes get killed or or you know something happens to them that is i was on the edge of my seat when i saw this uh, the book is like what 60 years old so i don't think it's a you know it's a spoiler to say well it's the wasp and she actually doesn't die because she does pop up in the book again later um but but i, I kind of felt like that was a little gripping and you know what i didn't mind a single bit that this whole scenario was played in another book that we read, I was I was fine with that. I'm like, okay, I know they recycle. This is a year and a half later. They're hoping nobody notices. I just figured it showed that Nefaria is a one trick pony. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the one where he moves his entire castle over and has to yeah. rebuild it. Right, yeah, and it just, only takes a few weeks. Just yeah, I know, right? An entire friggin' castle, and he does that just so he can bring them into the castle to to hit them with these rays. It's like, dude, right. just build a snazzy apartment downtown New York and invite them to a or party. Invite, What's the big deal? Or invite them to Italy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, yeah. And, and, and they, they keep talking about how he's like the richest man in the world. Well, then why does he have to be involved in these schemes to steal furs at three o'clock in the morning? Because he's trying to build his crime empire. Yeah. This is why he's the richest man in the world, because he's always stealing shit. Little shit, big shit, all the shit. You got to start your your cronies down on the bottom and work their way up, too. Uh -huh. It's just a training regimen. So I, I want to point out something I thought was kind of cool about this. Um, in this story, Stan is introducing kind of peripheral, char peripheral characters, right? Like the Team yeah. Brigade, which the Team Brigade have been around since the beginning of the Avengers. Um you know, Rick Jones was there because he knew the Hulk, etc. Um, <clears throat> but these kids, 
are basically the Mickey Mouse Club for the Avengers. They follow them everywhere. They they cheer them on. Okay, but they're actual characters, and I feel like continuing on with this, it could even have their own miniseries at some point. Because Rick Jones and the Team Brigade, although he's the only one I think we know his name, they they do some shit. You know, they get into trouble, but they get out of their own trouble. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, they, do, they what they got to do with they're going to do that, though. They have to give that series to Tom King and it'll be dark and gritty and one of them will get killed by Forbush, man. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I always thought Tom, Bush, King, man, Tom King and Mitch Jarrods. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought I always thought Forbush man was one of the darkest characters, characters like Marvel <laughs> had. And, you know, he was kind of cheesy because he had these red underwear with a, a big f on his chest and a, a dish towel with a cape and a, a pot over his head but i i wrote a story where four bush man was abused and beaten and and it made him it made him what he was which was this deluded little man with a pot on his head <laughs> I just, I, at any rate um but so i want to point out in the beginning of this storyline, the, the story where they get the the announcement, the invitation, um, and Wasp is like, "Oh, Count Nefaria has invited us to his castle." Well, he's really dreamy, and he's got a lot of money, you know. And she's, oh god, yeah, yeah. And, and then, the drawer really weird there too. They had her in and, the and, weird pose and everything. Yeah, yeah it was, and I, I, I was like, I was like, so did the Avengers all come in the? room and line up because they knew that it was janet was going to wiggle her ass at him or something it's like it's like is it just that time of day again uh, <laughs> let's go line up for the ass shake so we can get it over with and move on with the rest of the day <laughs> well she it does seem like she was wearing some kind of like you know betty page torpedo shaped bra or something I mean, she's she, very she was, buxom in that panel yeah seriously well she is but, a fashion so, designer right or right, is yeah yeah at this point she's a fashion designer now she she has been known to try to make giant man or ant man or whatever he's going by this day of the week um <laughs> jealous Thank you for saying that because i can never get it straight <laughs> <laughs> well even when he's big he's still wearing the ant you know the, the little antenna on his head so at any rate um you know she's always trying to make him jealous and when he says something she goes sounds like you're jealous thank heavens i've succeeded in making you jealous yes uh, why so this that that early on this brought up a question it was oh um there's a message i'll let me shrink down so i can hear it if you can't hear when you're fucking big how did you know there was a message i think because they were all gathering around his crotch oh i see <laughs> yeah oh well either either janet's gonna shake her ass or there's a message let me get small for <laughs> either one of those <laughs> well, Ron and I were reading this together, this issue, and I'm I pointed out, I'm like, check that out. That's giant man's crotch right there. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> you, hold on. Can you imagine if he had crabs? <laughs> oh, dude. Don't wanna don't wanna imagine it. They'd be the size of Volkswagen bugs. It's crab man. The size of real crabs. Um <laughs> or when he shrinks oh, down. Yeah. Thanks, Rod. Oh. <laughs> Thank the ultimate much. shrinkage. Thank you, Rich. You can you can stop the pain. I remember junior high. <laughs> Good times. 
<laughs> All right. Come well, on. so so there's a continuity <laughs> error in this issue too. Um, now Nefarious talking like he's the big shit, right? He's the leader of the Magia, et cetera, et cetera. But in fact, there's like this group of guys that are afraid of him, and he's like, "Come and touch the disc and communicate with me." Now you're being punished. <laughs> um, but but yeah, well, that's end, that's that's like a through line for Stan, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, the, really... the 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 villains are. I I need to rule by fear, mm-hmm. and otherwise, my my power means nothing. Well, so my point here is at the end. When he's in trouble, okay, he's afraid of being punished because the Magia punishes yep. severely. Mm-hmm. Isn't that him? But he's the head of the, the Magia. Right. What's he gonna, or, he gonna or, do? Or, like, the fuck is going to punish you? Cat of nine tails and swat his back? I mean, come on. Maybe he's really not. Uh, Spank me, hard light, hard light image of Iron Man. Spank me, hard light image of Iron <laughs> well, Man. Yeah, God. <laughs> He creates these uh, holographic images to be punished by. Um, yes. Well, at this point, I think it's very likely that the leader of the Magi is actually Professor yeah. Xavier. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. It's actually what you Wolverine look- was doing before he appeared. Yeah. This is, But this is an age-old story idea where you create the problem so you can fix it. It's literally an age-old story idea. Like, yeah. we read it again in... in you know, X Men number yeah. X Men twenty three. <laughs> I did think that you know, comparing twenty three to this book, I do think his idea, like what he was doing, Nefaria, mm-hmm. his plan was way better in this than it was in yeah. twenty three. Like this is a pretty strong and compelling plan, I thought. Except like, for bringing over the castle and having to rebuild it and all that. That's but just got rich rebuilt. people thing in the sixties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It could have been he's like I'm building it, a rocket to take everybody into space. It helped us cover. He just looked Maybe. like a rich eccentric dude. Yeah. So my question is, what happens to that castle now that it's? They ship it back. No. Well, get all those guys. Pack it back up. Throw it in the only, throw it in the boat. He only leased that lot for a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> wow this guy's it's the 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 dudes that do the that go and bid on the um storage containers go out and yep. try and kick in the door and see what they can sell <laughs> at the yeah. flea market yeah. the, the so one of the I, things uh... that, that hit me as odd in this one was the that goo so he had like the little tar pits on the floor right that um they stepped in and it froze them in place, but then they also had them on the walls and then the walls moved in slowly on the teen brigade. I'm oh, like, yeah. just push the little shits into a vat of this stuff and be done with it. This, why, why is this needly, needlessly complex thing where it's like weird bubbles of shit coming at your face very slowly. <laughs> they were such, they were <laughs> suction cups. Yeah. Don't touch think- the suction cups. Coded to me, goo. I just thought that, you know, he likes to play with his food. You know, he's just toying yeah. with them. Isn't he the one who said uh, he doesn't want to actually harm anybody? Later on, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. He says that he he never actually hurts, you know, the people he's he goes He's got this against. weird moral 
perspective where he doesn't actually hurt anybody. He he's just not, robs he, their money well, and shit. No, no, no. He's not against them getting killed. He just won't do it himself. Mm. Yeah. He's, he says, it is my rule never to directly injure anyone. I am too smart for that. Mm. Oh, that's right. Because he doesn't want it coming back on him directly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he hires people like the Scarecrow and the Eel. and Yeah. Eel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or he put, puts them in that situation where at some point the they're fine if they don't move and they'll only get hurt if they move. Yep. I didn't do it. Yeah. Yes. That's you, right. you shouldn't. Have yeah. Sneezed. But it's his fault. That's I'm right. just going to stand here kicking air. And if you walk into my foot, it's your fault. So good thing he didn't have I... like a bunch of exotic dancers on the other side of that glass wall from those kids, though. Because well, get this. He managed to do this all by himself, too. He he didn't have to have a bunch of underlings help him. And this is earlier in his career. So, you know, I could see him right now leading a legion of what what were they called? Legion of evil teenagers or uh in the new mutants. Um <laughs> lethal legion. Oh, the lethal legion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lethal undergrads i don't know uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway uh so i actually cheated and read avengers 14 because i had to know what was going to happen to the wasp holy shit you guys i gotta tell you i don't know did you, either any of you read it no, no i didn't have time but what happened this was an amazing fucking story i'm telling you well the story wasn't great but <laughs> but, <laughs> but Oh, it was, I had such a great time reading Avengers 14. So some shit happens. I had to know if the Wasp was going to die or not. I mean, I know she's not going to die, but, she, but he's, she's being carried off at the end. Like she's dead. And, and uh, giant man, Ant-Man is, is just so messed up. Um, Who am I going to hit now? Yeah. Right. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, don't go there, dude. Oh, damn, dude. Jeez, that's cool. I was going to say too soon, but it hasn't even happened yet. Um, <laughs> so, so the Avengers. So, okay, so she gets shot, and he's like, she's going to die. And they're like, we got to take her to a, to a doctor. So they run off and take her to a doctor, right? In fact, they get to the hospital, and the hospital's like, uh, sure, it's the Avengers. Come on in. This is. Avengers 14, right after they apparently declared war on the world. But everybody's now just fine with them. They're all cool with them. It's, it's you know, they forget about that whole thing. Um, but they open up the hospital. She go, They take her in. Uh, the doctor's like, I can't do anything. She's going to die. And, of course, Giant Man wants to pummel the doctor. He grabs him and picks him up and shakes him like a, like a rag doll. And, um, and then they direct him to this specialist. Okay. So they go to the specialist and they're grabbing the guy going, you got to help her. You got to help her. And they pull his face off and he's an alien. And the alien's like, I'm not even a real doctor. I'm just, yeah, I'm replacing the doctor. Oh my God. You took my re you took my uh, breathing apparatus off. I can't breathe. And he dies. Jesus. <laughs> he literally <Okay>. drops dead. <laughs> he suffocates. They kill an alien posing as a doctor. And, and That's of course, just... you know, time is of the essence. This is supposed to be the only guy that can save her. And Giant Man is just pounding the ground going, no, 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 no. Iron Man walks over to him and he's like, somehow I got to console him. And he's like, I know this looks bad. And he's patting him on the back. <laughs> <mat. laughs> 
So, yeah, we just killed a man. It does look bad. <laughs> I know this looks bad. This looks bad. It'll be all right. So they figure now where's the real doctor? Well, the real doctor has been replaced by this alien because the real doctor is needed on another planet to save the whole fucking race. Jesus. So they're like, well, we got to go to that planet and get that doctor. <laughs> Why not just go to another hospital? Or, yeah, right. There's got to be another doctor in the hospital. Um, this so, is the only doctor on the planet only, that could deal yeah, with a he, gunshot wound. And now right? he's not even on the planet. So they got to go to another planet and get that doctor who's there because that planet needs that doctor. Um, and then, you know, they start a war between two alien races and they snatch the doctor and they run away. End of story. She saved at the very end. At some point, it it's becomes the American so, way. Yeah. At some point, it becomes so dire that the watcher comes out and tells the readers that they need to pray because that's the only power that can save the wasp right now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. For real. So, is, so is she saved in 14? Yeah. Yeah. She okay. saved at the very end. She okay. Lived. Thank you for everyone's prayers. Um, <laughs> Good Lord. I'm not even kidding. I was laughing my ass off. And I was reading it right before I'm going to bed. I'm like, I got to find out if the wasp is going to survive. And I just start reading it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it just went off the rails really quick. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, But you, know, what, you mentioned, what you mentioned earlier was that, that how they, that there was the similarities between the stories and one of the mm -hmm. one of the things that it got me thinking was is like this sudden character change for a large group of people at no point in either of these books made anyone go, hmm, let's follow them and see if something weird is going on. They're just like, well, fuck it. Let's shoot at them. Shoot them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they get tanks on them. <laughs> like I said earlier, it's the American way. <laughs> yeah. My favorite line from this book, though, was the um, Rick Jones. Come on, guys. It's like the Avengers say. Everybody's got to go sometime. Yes. <laughs> the Avengers. <laughs> it's the Avengers lesser used battle cry. <laughs> Everyone's got to go done. sometime. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was said by Giant Man when he had to run to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got to go. <laughs> the burritos oh. are burning right through me. <laughs> well, well, I don't the, know. The Taco I, Bell. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this. It was Let's fun. See. It was silly. Yeah, I I liked that. You know, it had a little cameo from the Fantastic Four, and yeah. I was kind of yeah, I was did. kind of expecting. Um, a cameo from the X-Men too, because it specifically said in the Fantastic Four, they their cameo was basically to say that anyone, any superhuman, any any anyone with powers is quarantined, emergency quarantine. And so it would have been cool if they had, you know, added the X-Men group in there to see how well, they were taking it because no one knows who they are. So if it had like shown them in the X Mansion being like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go out because bad things are happening right now and this is gonna happen to us in two years anyway. So we yeah. should learn from this. <laughs> I gotta say, two years after this story, the X-Men should have been like, hey, remember that time that happened to the uh, Avengers? Same thing mm -hmm. that happened to us just now happened to the Avengers? I bet this isn't real. I bet I bet this is fake. Uh, <laughs> but, but you're right. The Fantastic Four thing was a little odd too because 
all of a sudden they show up out of nowhere and then Ben's just ready to kick the shit out of anybody. It's like, right? I don't I don't care what happens. Somebody's getting punched. I only got three <laughs> panels. I need to hit something. I've been itching to grab that loudmouth Thor by them yellow curls of his. That's what oh, he that's says. Right. Yeah, that's right. How freaking funny is that? He's just well, jealous. He's just jealous. I got to say, I enjoyed the roid rage. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed reading these two issues. Yeah, this one was a fun read. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Of course, episode 14 coming up next. We're going to be reading X-Men number 24 and uh, Daredevil number 13, which uh, I'm going to have to. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> good stuff. But at any rate. Uh, catch you all later.